Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Brad, the rock group Foreigner, with the song Urgent, which I believe was top 10 in 1981. There certainly are many things about which there at least should be some urgency going on in the world. We are in the two-minute offense in terms of business radio programs. And uh, you know what? We're just not going to let up. It's urgent all the time. No huddle. We've gone no huddle. We've got rid of all of the superfluous blockers. We've gone seven wide, my friend, even though that would probably violate a number of rules in the National Football League. Can I say National Football League? Do we own those rights? I don't think you have to own the rights to the National Football League to say National Football League. But I do remember that around the time of the Super Bowl, a lot of uh, big radio programs can't say the word Super Bowl. They have to say big game because it's uh, trademarked. Yeah. Well, that may be true. But you just said it twice. So I guess we'll find out. Super Bowl. I just said it three times. I am uh, living on a prayer here. It is uh, urgent time. We've got a lot of issues in the world today that impact all you small business people out there. But first of all, Brad, what a success here on IP Frequently. Everyone is talking about it. I've received uh, a number of letters, some uh, nice cards, uh, some some telegrams, all of which are unanimous in their praise of our show. Uh, We've also received a couple of envelopes with white powder and a ticking box, but we've sent them on to our erstwhile producer's hut. Yeah, he should be all set. He'll take care of that. He's a professional. He knows what to do. And therefore, I am not worried about that or him or any potential outcome. He'll probably use some or all of those materials to make a greater society there in that hut. Yeah, maybe. He's uh, He's an engineer by trade. He's an inventive guy. I'm sure he'll be fine. Man of means, by no means, king of the road. We miss him this week. We've got a, a fill-in producer all the way from Orlando, Florida, Patrick, who is who is helping out. But Brad, uh, what what reaction do you have to all of the well wishes that we received? Well, buddy, I think it's nice. I mean, I appreciate. It. I appreciate people listening. One, I appreciate them enjoying it. Two, and C, I appreciate them taking the time to you know sit down and jot us a note or mail us some powder or a bomb or, you know, whatever the case may be. I just appreciate the effort. At the end of the day, they care and it shows they're engaged with the show and we'll take any engagement we can get. Correct. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure there's some boundary there, but 
most any engagement, yes. Well, we're very excited to be back here. IP Frequently, the number one business program here. I'm David Pridham along with L. Bradley Sheaf here again to talk to you about your small business and how it relates uh, in this crazy world that we live in. And in particular, we'll look at different things going on in the world. We'll go look at different uh, situations and try to uh, explain how you fit in in this, uh, in this wacky world of ours. First, I should say that we here at uh, IP Frequently are brought to you by IPedia. Brad, IPedia is the automation of innovation, taking care of all of your patent and hot tub needs since 2017, IPedia. Yeah, right on. Can't beat it. You cannot beat it, my friend. Brad, why don't we just hop right in because it is a hot and heavy uh, week here on the... Um, uh, on the old uh, newsreel, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff that will directly impact your small business. And it's something that I, I've heard from dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of people this week who have told me the only news they get, the only news is here on newsreel. Oh, it's the only news I get. So yeah, you're learning. That you're learning. Surprise me. Yeah. So let's, let's dive right into item number one. There it is, Brad, uh, the dulcet tones of one of the great tenors of our time singing Oh Canada, the national anthem of the country up north. They just had their big election. Uh, and as you know, on the eve of the election, more pictures surfaced of your favorite world leader, Justine Trudeau, in blackface. Um, what say you? Is that something you think is appropriate for a world leader? And if you were a business leader, um, and uh, one of your uh, cohorts was uh, caught in blackface. Would that be okay? So by blackface, we're talking about, you know, sort of putting on makeup, making yourself appear to be darker skinned, right? To be, you know, Justine Trudeau, I think most probably knows a white guy. So my assumption here is that he's, you know, making fun of in some way, shape or form, someone who is darker skinned. Is that correct? I mean, I, I think that's the only way you can take it. Um, I, again, I have not talked to Justine about this, but I do believe that this is, um, would be mocking individuals who are um, of uh, um, African-American or Asian-American descent. Uh, yeah, you can't do that, right? I mean, it's, it's never been in good taste. No one has ever really thought it was in good taste. You kind of have to be something of an arrogant prick to do something like that. I mean, just to, you know, generally make fun of a category of folks, whether it's their skin color or whatever else may be, you have to believe that you are superior to that entire group of people. And, you know, that kind of makes you an arrogant prick. But we're already talking about Justine Trudeau. And so now we're just being, you know, redundant at this point. Yeah, and he, he is a fancy lad, I will say that. Um, son of a former prime minister, just got reelected. And actually what happened was he thought he was going to get a majority. He didn't. He got kind of kicked in the nuggets by an electorate that didn't care. But he did uh, seem to win. Uh, so hats off. And any listen, any opportunity to play the Canadian national anthem outside of the Stanley Cup, uh, we're going to take it. As we should. It's a great song. Well-written, very poetic. I like the tune. Uh, it's a good anthem. And, you know, the Canadians are good folks. And I guess, uh, you know, 
Justine Trudeau's representation of them notwithstanding, we wish them the very best up there. That's true. And, and one could argue that uh, the Canadians in Justine Trudeau have a better leader than America today. Well, many could argue that, right? I mean, it's not, uh, you, you don't have to go to great lengths to make yourself a better leader than certainly the current president that we have, our current congressional leadership. Uh, the leadership of many of the organizations in the executive branch, all of it subpar. And so, again, you don't have to, uh, you know, sort of put your game face on in order to make the claim that you would do a better job. I think lots of folks could probably do that. And that's unfortunate. It doesn't bring you or I any pleasure. Again, we're not particularly partisan on this show. I, I don't believe, I, I know for myself, I'm not a registered member of any political party. I don't believe you are either. Um, and that, quite frankly, puts us in a good position to call balls and strikes. And you're calling a lot of strikes on our current leadership at this point. For those of you out there who are, we have a lot of horse racing fans. And when you're talking about a race between uh, uh, Sleepy Joe and Justine Trudeau, you're not exactly talking about like affirmed and Aladar. It's right. It's all, uh, more like old glue and not Black Beauty, but what's the horse that died that the spider killed in the movie, the show? Because a you spider know. killed it? Didn't a spider kill the thing? I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, who Sorry. the slow horse in the children's book, Brad? What's it the name of that horse? Spider. I don't I don't know. The spider's a vicious bite. Old slowpoke. Old slowpoke versus old glue. That's what we're talking about. We're not yeah. it's not affirmed. Seattle's slew is not coming around the uh, the third pole there. No. Anyway, I digress. We could also, Brad, talk about the fact that uh, Joe Biden has gone to the U.N., and that is certainly high up in the newsreel. He apologized for all of the um, deficiencies in American foreign policy over the last couple hundred years and uh, moved on. Yeah, he's uh, again, you know, I'm sort of I'm sort of torn. You know, generally speaking, if a president, if I were to hear a president give that sort of speech, I would just be more than happy to rip it eight ways to Sunday. Right. But then you look at that poor guy standing up there. He's got next to no idea where he is. He's bumbling his way through a speech that was obviously written by someone else. I don't think he understands any of the ramifications, the short or long term ramifications of the things that come out of his mouth. He's literally like a sock puppet for others. And so that being the case, I just sort of feel like, I mean, what's the point of ripping a sock puppet? Right. I mean, there's, He's, he's a sock puppet. Picking on a sock puppet is not a good use of one's time. So, I mean, that's that's where we're at. It's not great, but that's where we're at. What's the name of that famous um, ventriloquist from the 50s? Was that Ward Cleaver? Is that the one that was bit by a spider and it killed him? That's the horse. That's a different, different... I have a hard time believing a Clydesdale could be killed by a spider bite. I know. That's what made the book so impressive. Yeah. No, I don't know. Ward Cleaver. No, Ward Cleaver was... Beaver Cleaver's dad on the TV show. I don't know that he was a ventriloquist. Maybe he was played by the great late Hugh Beaumont Ward Cleaver. Anyway. Um, and that was an RIP report we did, I believe back in 1981 uh, when you were still a young lad in the, uh, in the Navy boxing and other midshipmen. Um, but that's neither here nor there, Brad, neither here nor there. Um, yeah. So Biden goes to the UN. He apologizes. He says that we do not want another Cold War. Seems to appease China. Um, and there was none of the pomp and circumstance that you would get from a speech with 
President Trump, where he's calling world leaders rocket man, insulting the Russians, insulting the Chinese, threatening all of Europe. I mean, you didn't have that type of excitement that you would have received uh, under President Trump, sort of like getting a free um, visit to a WWF pay-per-view. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a statesman take you know the, the place as the leader of this country at the UN. I've never been the president, but I'd, I'd like to believe that if I were, I would try to pick, you know, something a little more, you know, statesmanlike and just overly beneficial for the foreign policy of the people I represented. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's exactly right. I think probably when you do go to the U.N., whether you're a statesman or not, and you're the U.S. president, you should mention China by name. But, you know, that's that's just me. Maybe I'm. Um, uh, old fashioned. I think I might be. And then on top of all of this, we have the new book coming out about uh, President Trump and the post election um, lame duck session. We have seen snippets. And I think you and I have spent time analyzing those snippets, correct? We call that snippet analyzation. Correct. And we do some of that with IPedia. I mean, IPedia, Brad, uh, one of the sponsors, Automation of Innovation. Uh, a great uh, product, something that uh, may be available to certain people in the home, helps you analyze companies and their technology, and also could help um, folks who are looking to get back out in the dating game. Uh, But first, Brad, we have to get to the Royal Family Report. I know this is something that you hold near and dear to your heart. This is where we talk about all things Royal Family. Over the past year, we've talked about the relationship between Prince Charles and the lovely Camilla Parker Bowles. But uh, Brad, this time uh, we find out that the queen is unhappy. Prince Charles is wanting to turn upon her death when Prince Charles becomes the king and the lord of all he surveys. Uh, He wants to turn Buckingham Palace into a museum. And the queen is not too happy about that. And she's threatened to not die uh, in order to um, uh, not let Charles uh, take over Buckingham and turn it into like a Madame Tussauds wax museum. What do, what do you think? Do you think the Queen's right here? Charles? Is there some middle ground? I'm still back on the snippets. Are we going to talk about Trump's book? We're not doing that. We promised the audience we were going to do that. Well, we're on the Royal Family Report right now. We'll get okay. to the Trump book. Listen, listen, we'll get to the Trump book. Okay. People want to hear about this. So hey, let me just tell you, buddy, Prince Charles is a dope. I think he's probably a harmless dope. I think he's probably a well-intentioned dope, but a dope nonetheless. So, no, I don't think we should go the Prince Charles route. Turning Buckingham Palace into a museum sounds like a terrible idea. And near as I can tell, the queen is capable of not dying, like on command. She just says no, but in a British accent. We're like, no, I won't die. And then she just doesn't. Hello. Hello. I'll stick around. Yeah, that's what she does. Sod off, Charles. Sod Sod off. off. You'll never be the lord of all you survey. Go with that Trump Camilla. And that's it. So she seems perfectly capable of doing that. And so if I have, if I were a betting man, which generally speaking, I am not, but if I were, I would say that the queen is capable of not dying. And therefore Charles will never be the king. And therefore you're unlikely to see Buckingham Palace turned into a museum. You know, if I had to call between the two, I'd say Prince William is much more likely to be a decent, you know, king like figure than Charles ever would be. And so my bet is that the queen is going to continue to play her I'll not die now card until 
Charles does or otherwise becomes incapacitated. And then she's going to, you know, hand the baton off to William and we'll be good to go. I still can't believe we answered to a queen, but I mean, listen, it is what it is. The majority rules, right? Correct. I mean, that's how she got to be queen in the first place. And uh, further uh, in the Royal family report, it seems like Prince Andrew's um, uh, challenges continue. Brad, he has been served in the United States with a sexual uh, assault lawsuit by one of the women that used to fly around the country with him and I suppose get assaulted. Uh, Do you think there's a chance for Prince Andrew to rehabilitate his image? No. I mean, well, maybe if rehabilitating his image just means going back to the image he had before being served with a complaint of assault. But that image was crappy. I mean, when was the last time anybody was like, man, that Andrew, what a guy. Like as you know, never. Right. So, I mean, I guess you can rehabilitate back to the crappy reputation he previously had, but I don't see that coming either. He doesn't even play polo as far as I can tell. Water or horseback. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So I think that's a problem. I think you're probably right, but we'll keep an eye on it. I know we have a lot of folks who want to know our thoughts on the monarch. And uh, look, we'll continue to uh, we'll continue to monitor the situation. Yeah, as we always do. Brad, now back to snippets. You mentioned snippets. You wanted to talk about uh, the new book about Trump and uh, Robert Woodward, who is one of the great uh, uh, political How writers. How old is Bob Woodward? Let's see. He was in his 20s in 1973 when he took down the uh, Nixon, uh, uh, the folks in the big Nixon uh, campaign. So uh, including one Patrick J. Buchanan, who came out smelling like a rose. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's going to be at least 75. I would, I would, I would guess. think. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, good for him. Still writing, apparently, and still writing about Trump, apparently. Another book about Trump uh, has come out. It's about the uh, period of time between the election and, uh, of course, the inauguration. And I thought the most interesting thing that um, is in the new book was was a supposed quote from President Trump to the great Steve Bannon, who you and I both know and love, a fellow Navy man like yourself, um, who said before the January 6th rally and certification of the electors, quote, this is Trump to Bannon, we need to kill the Biden presidency in the crib. That's a quote? Well, it's a quote in a Robert Woodward book, which doesn't mean it's necessarily was said by anyone. But I mean, what a hell of a thing to say, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, you can't say that. That's, uh, that's what we like to call missing the boat. Right. And again, I don't think anybody, you know, who was around, certainly here in these good United States during the Trump presidency, was ever really convinced that the Trumpster was always in the boat. Right. Because he seemed to be ready to hop out of the boat and kind of swim around in any kind of crazy direction he wanted fairly frequently. But you are really missing the boat on how democracy works if you believe that you have been defeated in an election, that a guy named Biden has, in fact, won that election, and then you want to try and kill that presidency in the crib. That's that's not what we're looking for. Right. Like, you know, you and I are both big fans of democracy. We're not always big fans of the result, but that is just the price you pay for a democracy. And, you know, I think both you and I come down pretty solidly on the side that while there were likely some shenanigans in this presidential election, as there are shenanigans in almost every election held in any kind of a free country, that Biden did win that election. And as such, 
you know, we're not really looking to kill that presidency in the crib or any other presidency for that matter. Now, you know, whether or not Trump said it, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on whether or not you believe Woodward and his sources. Maybe. Why would you say in the crib? Why not on the potty? Well, I don't know. Both are disturbing, right? Yeah. I don't uh, I, I, I don't like the idea of anything being killed in a crib, uh, given that, you know, generally speaking, we put young things in a crib. So that's not what you're looking for. I'm not killing anyone on the potty, although I believe that was done in the Clint Eastwood movie, The Unforgiven. Yes. I believe a guy was blown out of an outhouse. Uh, but all of that is unsettling. So he I, was I not the president, though, right? I mean, I, I don't not to so. my knowledge. I don't believe that was part of the plot. I believe he was actually a guy who beat up on a hooker. And so maybe in that case, you deserve to be killed while you're taking a dump. I don't know. I haven't given it a lot of thought. But those neither of those are you know, what you're looking for. Yeah. So, again, I, I'm not sure who said what. I'm not sure why it's in the crib and not on the potty. But uh, we'll continue to monitor that situation, Brad. And you never know. Um, because it does seem more an inflection point in the country. I think Ken Burns the other day said that uh, this current situation is the worst he's ever seen, and it ranks up there with the Civil War, the Great Depression, and World War II. Um, and, and look, it is a divided country, and maybe what he's saying is that there should be some sort of a killing in the crib. I'm not sure if that's what he's saying or not. I'm just saying that could be what he's, or on the potty. That could be what he's saying, but it does seem that there are a lot of people very angry out there on both sides, and it doesn't seem like that's very conducive to getting anything done. And I think whether you're in a business or you have folks on different sides of the political spectrum, or if you're in the um, body politic, as Prince Andrew finds himself, um, you may also have that, that similar dichotomy. So I guess the question is, how do you get something done? And it's almost as if you have to convert quickly to some sort of an autocratic state in order to keep the trains running on time. Would you agree with that? Well, I, I mean, one would hope not, right? We kept the trains running on time pretty well for a long time in this country through the methods and practice of democracy. So I think we've proven that you can be a, if not the leading global power while being a functioning democracy. Now, we've had, obviously, as Mr. Burns points out, we've had our ups and downs over the years. We've certainly had some struggles in this country, perhaps you know, just you know, isolated to this country, the worst being uh, the Civil War. I don't think it'd be tough to top having a civil war where every death that occurs is a death of one of your countrymen. And so you know, that's not what you're looking for, but we made it through that. We made it through the Great Depression. We made it through the 60s. I'm certainly optimistic that we will make it through this period, but yeah, it ain't great. We've made it through the rain, some would say. And have said. Yeah, found ourselves protected and respected by the others who got rained on too. Uh, Brad, well, that takes us to the woke uh, minute, which is where we talk about uh, different woke aspects of society and try to make sense of them. And one of the things we've tried to do, because we have a lot of listeners in Asia, is um, sort of take on some of the uh, actions of uh, countries where we have a lot of listeners. And one of the things that we've been asked to comment on is the um, rush towards conformity in China, and in particular, the crackdown on gender expression. I guess there was a big speech given this week by Chairman Xi of the Chinese Communist Party, where he said that people need to become more alike they need to conform. They need to um, hold off any type of gender expression. No pronouns, Brad, no pronouns. And 
No uh, pronouns. No, he's I, asking I, people to just solely use proper nouns. That'll be I think, difficult. Yeah, I think the CCP will um, assign pronouns and they'll all be the same. And then he also wants to target, quote unquote, and this is all respect, his word, not mine, effeminate men and um, have them start being a little more masculine. So, I mean, obviously, we have a lot of folks that are offended by this. We have folks on the ground in, in, in red China who um, are trying to start businesses. Uh, I had someone uh, call me earlier today who's trying to start a noodle stand, and he asked our position on this. Uh, and obviously, I, I said, look, it's troubling. It's not what we're looking for. We have our own problems in this country with the president who can't remember his name or where he works. So we can't necessarily go... Uh, bore on this, but uh, look, it's it's problematic, and it's it's certainly not what we here at IP frequently are looking for. No, well, I agree with all of that. I mean, I think the whole pronoun, everybody using the same pronouns in China is going to be difficult. I don't know that for a fact because I don't speak Chinese, so maybe it's a little bit easier to get around the pronoun thing when you're speaking Chinese than when you're speaking English, but certainly it would be difficult here. Uh, and you know what, buddy? I mean, if you're offended. I guess, I guess my, you know, I, I would ask folks who are offended by these comments by the chairman of the Communist Party in China to take a step back and maybe look at this and say, well, as it turns out, I, I'm offended that there is a Communist Party in China that feels as though it can just dictate terms to its people, right? So you're, you're sort of missing the larger picture of the fact that you're in a forest when you look at just that one tree that has to do with expressing gender and say, well, I don't like that. So my advice would be to take it up a little bit, see that there's a whole forest of offensive behavior when you have a communist dictator running one of the world's largest countries, most populous countries, and say, oh, golly, maybe, maybe we should be paying more attention to that. And maybe we can do that, i.e. pay more attention through a vehicle like, oh, I don't know, the United Nations. So if the United Nations offered you the opportunity to step up to the podium and make some comments about the current world and things that you see as problematic, that might be a good opportunity to say, hey, you know what's problematic? A dictatorial regime in China, that's problematic. We'd like to address that. But see, we miss that boat with our, our current regime and somehow we're now narrowly focused on the one tree in that dictatorial forest that has to do with gender. But again, we seem to not be capable of looking at anything big picture in this country anymore. So I guess I don't find it surprising. Yeah, I, I look, I, I think you're preaching the choir and it would maybe behoove some of us to uh, take a look at what's going on over there. Take a look at what's going on in the Middle East with respect to individuals who are you know, different, different sexualities. And then look back at this country and say, you know what, there's always work to do. There are always better things to strive for. But we have made incredible strides in this country over the past 200 plus years that we've been around. And we continue to make them while other countries regress. Right. And so uh, I'll just say that and uh, we can move on from China and Chairman G. I'm sure Brad will get back to him at some point. Uh, but then on the uh, woke report, there's one more um uh, story here. Uh, do you remember when you were a young strapping lad in the 1960s? Yeah, I was a very young strapping lad for two years of the 1960s, but I, I have some you know, vague recollections of things all being in black and white and 
my dad wearing a very narrow tie. Yes. Yeah. And, and look, um, again, I, I wasn't around at all for any of the 60s, so I wouldn't know. You all know that I, just by appearances, look much younger than, than Brad. In fact, I am. Um, but Brad, one of the great entertainers of the uh, 70s and 80s. Uh, remember Elvira, Mistress of the Dark? I do. One of the saucy beauties, would you agree, of the 1980s? Uh, saucy is a stretch for Elvira. I mean, she sort of had that early goth thing going on, but a beauty. I'll, I'll grant you that. Yeah, beauty. A beauty who had the, like a little bit of macabre you know, tinge to her. Loved Halloween. Loved the scary movies. A lot of 3D action there. Um, but uh, now, Brad, she has come out as a, like her words again, a lesbian. Comes out uh, 19 years in a relationship with another woman. Very happy. Um, has written a new book, Elvira, and, you know, again, wouldn't be tolerated in the uh, People's Republic of China under communist regime. But again, here we say to each his or her own. So uh, it seems like she's a very happy camper uh, in her new book. She's also uh, written about a lot of her uh, encounters with celebrities, including a very disturbing depiction of an encounter with one Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain. Oh, my uh, pro- that probably, I mean, given, you know, Mr. Chamberlain's you know, sort of public uh, persona with respect to sexuality and now what you've told me about the lovely Elvira, I'm going to guess that that was not a lesbian encounter. I don't think so. Again, Wilt with the 20,000 women, that's something we'll explore in another episode here on uh, IP Frequently. But uh, again, good for her. She is... Um, you know, sort of rising above like she did in the 80s. And um, I hope to see more of Elvira. Uh, you know, maybe not as much as we saw in the 80s. It might be time to you know, sort of tone back the uh, risque dress. But uh, again, Brad, another great uh, actress from the 80s and one of the great Saturday morning um, entertainers of our time. Of all time. Of all time. The midday matinee. It was uh, yeah. really, really good. Well, good for Elvira. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear she's doing well. I'm glad to hear that she is comfortable now revealing this 19-year relationship to the rest of us who may or may not care to read her book. If that's your thing, I encourage you to purchase it and enjoy it. We'll move forward. Uh, Brad, next is COVID Corner. And one big question comes to mind. A lot of folks are uh, sending in uh, their questions about COVID. They want us to cover it. Uh, obviously, it is a global pandemic, and it's a problem. It's a problem for businesses in terms of who you hire, who you retain, when you go back into the office, and how you go back into the office, and everything in between. But one question that we have received from a gentleman named William in, uh, in, uh, in Kansas is, uh, uh, Brad, David, love your show. Uh, you're doing a great job on CRN, uh, cable radio network, for those of you out there listening. Um, but I have a question. I'm starting to have employees back in my business, and I've been told that I have to test my employees on a weekly basis who aren't vaccinated. Why is it I have to test my employees and tens of thousands of immigrants are crossing the southern U.S. border and we're not testing them? Uh, sincerely, William from Kansas. Uh, Brad, what do you think about that? What's your What would you tell William? Well, I would tell William he's spot on, right? I mean, th- these... Again, everybody who's paying the least bit of attention understands what's going on here, right? So we have just made a soup sandwich out of our foreign policy and our domestic policy. 
The southern border is an absolute mess. We've got folks coming across by the thousands, and we may deport a couple dozen of them. The rest of them are apparently being spread out across the United States in the dark of night, which is just crazy. All of that's going on. And so if, if you're responsible for those things, then you may not know much, but you know that you don't want the national attention focused on any of that, right? Because it makes you look like the moron that you are. And so you need to lob something else out there that's going to get people's attention. And one of the things that will always get people's attention are threats to their health. And so you immediately go back and focus on COVID and say, oh my gosh, if we're going to go back to being a business, you know, we, we got to do this in a way that maintains everyone's health and you got to wear masks, you got to test your employees. And the hope there is, is not that you're going to mitigate the transmission of COVID because you're not. The hope is that you're going to draw people's attention away from the thousands of illegal immigrants streaming across our border or the fact that we left millions of dollars in military equipment in Afghanistan, right? That's your hope. And at least for William, it's sort of working, right? I mean, he's worried about having to do testing, but even William in his concern over the testing has been able to cast, you know, a sort of a furtive glance to the South there out of Kansas and say, hey, who are all these people and why are they just streaming into the country? So William, your question is a valid one. Unfortunately, I suspect you're not going to get an answer out of your government because they are going to keep trying to get you to not look at that. The government is effectively constantly waving a shiny object and asking you to look at that object, as opposed to the thousands of illegal immigrants who are going to be barnstorming your business at any point in time. And I guess that's what happens when you lift any semblance of the rule of law and you just have chaos. I suppose, Brad, that's where you end up. Who knows? RIP report, Brad. Uh, Let's go right to it. We're getting the two-minute drill. The missing girl from Long Island. I'm sure you heard that story. The fiance and the girl go out west. They go on a trip. Uh, They take a um, uh, a cruiser conversion van. No driver, by the way. Uh, Go out for a couple of months. Uh, Gabby Petito is her name. They found her remains out in... uh, in the uh, in the West and the boyfriend had already come back East, apparently took over her social media account and now is gone missing somewhere in the Southern wilderness of this, uh, of this, uh, of this country. But it, it, it does prove there are some really sick, toxic people out there when you read stories like this. Well, yeah, I believe they were from the South. Her body was actually found in Wyoming, uh, which I guess, West, which I said be- is the West. It's in the West. Yeah, I guess if you happen to be in Idaho, it's to the south. But well, no, uh, no, no. I said, I said the boyfriend was found hiking in the wilderness of the south. He was. I didn't hear that. He was spotted. So, on so a he's deer in cam. custody. No, he's not. He was spotted on a oh. deer cam in the wilderness in the south of the pan near the Panhandle of Florida. But she was found out west. But she was from Long Island. He was from Florida. This is all very confusing for me. Yeah, buddy, I, I am familiar with this story. I read something that was troubling that the couple was was stopped someplace out west, uh, I believe in Utah, by police and park rangers. They were having a domestic on the side of the road. They were hitting each other, et cetera, et cetera. Somebody called 911. And unfortunately, you know, in that circumstance, it's not what you can do if you're in law enforcement. They were counseled. They were asked, you know, certain questions that you ask. But again, this is a free country. Sometimes freedom 
um, is a difficult thing to manage. Obviously, it was for this guy laundry, and he winds up killing his girlfriend. But there was, you know, a, a moment in time there where perhaps uh, things could have turned out differently, but didn't. But why? I, in I sort of feel like I've jumped into the middle of this story. How did this turn out to be a story? I mean, there's a lot of missing people. Was it? Was that it? It was just that she was missing and suspected to have been killed by her boyfriend. And now we think that's almost certainly true. Or is there something about this petito laundry relationship that is beyond the normal? Well, I think a lot of this is not normal, Brad. I think a lot of it is has to do with the social media aspects of this and this couple meeting a bunch of folks along the way, all of whom are either taking photos or, or videos or what have you. Next, Brad, relationship rehab. This is where you... Uh, are directed to a problem uh, by one of our great uh, uh, listeners from across the globe. Could be anyone. Again, could, this is all random. All right, let's do it. Uh, dear Brad, uh, this is a letter, an actual genuine letter. Uh, mm-hmm. My fiance, Brad, has been questioning things about our relationship. Last week, she told me she was going to the 7-Eleven for a big gulp and a chalupa. I'm not even sure what that is. Is that some sort of a taco or is that more of a gordita, Brad? I am thinking it's maybe more like a taco than a gordita, but I, again, I'm not certain of that. Well, that's, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, she came back a week later smelling like an Everclear cocktail and regret. I also saw her wearing a quote, tax the rich dress at the Met Gala. Should I give her another chance or send her packing your friend in Norm in Atlantic city, Brad, what say you? Norm, you're, I, I applaud your attempt to, you know, sort of keep this somewhat confidential, not air your fiance out with respect to her eating habits, drinking habits, habits of regret, dressing. I appreciate all that, but you need to run, not walk, but run away from this person. They are useless and you should use this opportunity, which she has presented you to quote unquote, get the hell out, right? So that is my recommended. We don't need to go into any other details. We don't need to look at other options. We don't need to weigh consequences. You just need to get out and subsequent to getting out, stop and take a moment to be glad that you did. And there it is. And that that, that is the type of relationship advice you're not going to get by going to a therapist, whether it be in person or online. Uh, next, Brad, we go to the biggest segment on the show, the, the barter band segment. And again, I want to tell everyone, thank you for the great uh, outpouring of support last week um, uh, after our show. Everyone loved barter band. I had a couple of letters written to us, one of whom from uh, was written by a gentleman named Stephen in New York. Stephen said, this segment is great. It made my week. I've been talking about it uh, with all of my friends at the water cooler at work. Um, you should put it in for a Stevie Award. Uh, thank you, Stephen. We have already won a bronze Stevie Award. I would also say about that water cooler, be careful. It could become a cesspool for COVID. Uh, Brad, anything to say to Stephen? No, I appreciate Stephen's input. I you know, think folks should be cognizant of their surroundings at all time, water cooler or otherwise. I suspect that Barter Band will, of its own accord, continue to win awards, whether we submit the segment for those awards or not. Uh, but I, I appreciate Stephen, uh, you know, jumping in. We encourage that. Everybody jump on in. Uh, this week, Brad, Barter Band, the TikTok challenge. 
the TikTok challenge. You got to help me out, buddy. Uh, well, there is this new craze uh, running across the country, sort of like Pac. Remember Pac-Man Fever back in the '80s, back in your salad days. I do. Uh, you you loved Pac-Man, correct? I didn't. Played but it I know all what you're talking about. In you fact, I hated it. Pac-Man. I just thought it was stupid. But that's neither here nor there. You did not have an Atari. I did have an Atari. Okay, what was your favorite game? Oh, that's a good question. I loved Tank Battle when the tanks were invisible. Do you remember that? So there was a mode of tank battle where you couldn't see the tank until you fired the round out of your tank. And when it hit, temporarily the screen would reveal the location of your opponent's tank. But of course, as soon as it went away, it was going to start moving again. It was very difficult. I liked that. Pac-Man, not so much. Okay. So, but invisible tank battle. The, the, the big uh, craze that swept the country. I believe probably only one living room cared about it. But uh, again, that, that is one. But that living room. living room meant a hell of a lot to me, my friend. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure when the, when the 14 hour Pong tournament ended and the invisible tanks came out. I didn't like in. Pong either. That was also stupid. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, there it is. So, TikTok challenge, Brad. It is uh, sweeping the nation. This, and again, let me say this. This is not to be confused with the Tide Pod Challenge, which, which we talked about um, at length earlier um, in, a, in a different podcast. This, of course, is a radio show. Uh, and you remember the, pod, the, 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 the Tide Pod Challenge was the challenge where people would consume a number of the Tide Pod uh, laundry detergent. Yeah, seems houses. like a bad idea. Yeah. Now, again, I, I, I do recall when you and I did it on the show, I think you got to seven. I did four. Um, we spent about six weeks in the ICU, but we came out uh, fresh and clean on the inside, I believe. And also, some would say downy fresh. Yeah. And soft. Soft. Very soft. Yeah. Uh, anyway, not to be confused, confused with the Tide Pod Challenge. That is still going strong. This is the TikTok Challenge. Uh, this is apparently a craze sweeping the nation where kids are challenging other kids um, to um, use their phone and videotape themselves, stealing school supplies, trashing bathrooms, um, and basically um, in some way, shape, or form, vandalizing their schools. Yeah, but uh, you know what? I We actually got it. Now that you mentioned that, I hadn't tied it to the TikTok thing. We actually got a letter via email from the high school principal of the high school, which our youngest daughter attends, alerting us to this and asking us to talk to our kids about it. So I'm well, here you are. This is, this is sort yeah. of like a, um, a little primer. This could help prep you for, um, for your talk with uh, your kid. Yeah. I already had that. It was a short talk. Yeah. Not to worry. Again, listen, listen, we want to, we want to stem violence in the schools wherever we can. Maybe there's another parent out there that could use the pearls of wisdom uh, emanating from your lips. So maybe you can, uh, tell those parents out there what they should tell their children when encountering the TikTok challenge. Well, one, the, the, this whole TikTok thing should be barred and banned, right? I mean, I don't necessarily mean the social media platform itself. If you've been listening to this podcast for five minutes, you know how I feel about social media. I just think it's ridiculous, unnecessary, and by and large causes way more problems than it solves. Um, but you can do your own research on that. But it, it, the idea, that one should videotape oneself vandalizing one's school is, of course, a ridiculous one. Now, I mean, the only difference between this and when you and I went to school is if you wanted 
to videotape you vandalizing your school, you would have to use a giant shoulder mounted operation in which to do that. It would cost about $25,000 too. Exactly. And so, you know, I, I mean, vandalism is always going to go on kids wanting to, you know, get, get credit for their cleverness or their vandalism is always going to go on. I think if you were to ask any high school principal, he would tell you, we deal with this all the time. The TikTok thing is not helping obviously as it's encouraging students to do this, perhaps even some students who generally wouldn't. Uh, but again, you got to ask yourself just exactly what is the benefit to society that TikTok is bringing and does it outweigh the detriment? And I think in most cases, the answer would be no and ergo, one should bar or ban, whatever the case may be, the whole thing. Yeah, well, look, the, and, and, and the, what's nice about that is you are um, joining select company and calling for the whole thing to be banned. The great Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut. You remember uh, Senator Blumenthal? I never met him. He's kind of a douche, isn't he? He's the, the gentleman who lied about his service in Vietnam. Ah, good, yes. Yeah. 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 Very, so very good participant. Definitely a douche. In, yeah, Senate Judiciary Committee sits next to Senator Whitehouse of the whites only beach club fame and um, had a lot of questions about boofing. Uh, but anyway, Brad, uh, yes, yeah, Senator Blumenthal uh, led a rally in Connecticut to demand that TikTok ban users who have participated in the TikTok challenge. Again, not to be confused with the Tide Pod challenge, which is something else. And again, we're not advocating that either. Obviously, that is not good for you. It's not what we're looking for. Um, but uh, Brad, I think I agree with you. I think I agree with Senator Blumenthal. Again, as you said, a great patriot, although questionable military pedigree. And uh, I'm going to say that you need to ban uh, these uh, these users. They shouldn't be uh, stealing and vandalizing their uh, their schools. That's what uh, that's what home is for. That's exactly right. And there you have it, folks. Another entertaining, informative, dare I say, mandatory issue of IP frequently. We appreciate your time and attention as always, and we look forward to seeing you again next week on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome. <laughs>